my goodness. It's uh, so good to see all of you. Y'all look fantastic, especially you, John. All right, so I, uh, yeah, thank you. I already felt like I was going to trip. So this is the last remnant of the trailer being stolen. We're all, very soon, it's going to be coming from my head again. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah, if you want to pray for me that I don't trip. I've made it two or three weeks now without tripping, so uh, amen. So Courtney and I missed you guys a bunch last week. Uh, so we were out of the country in Israel. It was fantastic, man. It was so good. Yeah, sure. Clap for Israel. Clap for Courtney. Uh, so, so uh, it was great. Missed you guys. Uh, it was really, I was, I've been trying to describe it to a few of you this morning. It's hard to even, to walk where Jesus walked, to see all these things that we read about in scripture, uh, to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. We, we, we went inside the tomb where Jesus was, which let me go and tell you, breaking news, it's still empty. Come on, somebody. All right, it was awesome. So, uh, we are actually, in fact, we're planning to take a group, I don't know, in a couple years, so stay tuned for that. But it was good to, to be there. It was good to be away with my honey. That's always good. Th- so thank y'all for allowing me some time. I try to, you know, the best gift that I can give you is a healthy me. So it was good to be away, take some time off. And so, but so glad to be back. It is so good to have people that we miss. You know, we love you guys. So please turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, we're almost halfway through this wonderful letter that Paul wrote to the churches in Ephesus. Okay, so let's read Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21 together. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit, all the way into your inner being, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend, get your mind around with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses our knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us already. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Paul is praying for the Ephesian church here. That's what he's doing. He's been giving them theology. He's been teaching them all these different things through the power of the Holy Spirit who wrote this book. He's been doing all that. And now he kind of pauses for a second, overwhelmed with God's grace, and he drops to his knees and he prays for the church in Ephesus. And he's praying for us too. I mean, we're not reading Ephesian mail this morning. Okay, this is for us just like it is for them. And then he starts verse 14 with for this reason. Now, Paul, he started this prayer sort of in chapter 3, verse 1, and then he went on a holy rabbit trail for 13 verses talking about his calling. Now he's back to continue in his prayer. So what is this reason that he's talking about? Okay, so think. Okay, so in, there's three laws of real estate. You know, location, location, location. If that's all you take from the sermon today, maybe I helped you. I don't know. Okay, there's three laws of Bible study. Context, context, context. And y'all are so fired up about it. I think that's great. Okay, because I'm fired up too. So what's the context? So he says, for this reason, the context, for two chapters before this prayer, he's going on and on. Paul is taken with God's amazing grace that he could save sinners like me and then unite us sinners together into a church family. He's like, whoa. So he drops to his knees in light of that grace, and he bows in prayer. And that's how you can know that you're beginning to understand God. That you get a glimpse of God and you drop to your knees and you go, God, God please, I want another glimpse. I want more of you. I don't want more for what you get. I want you, God. Okay? And it's interesting 
that Paul says he bows to his knees, right? So in prayer before the Father, he says he changes his physical posture to pray to God. Uh, kneeling is, was not a common thing for Jewish people. Of course, Paul was Jewish. And, uh, you know, the typical position to pray was standing. Even last week, as we were in Israel, we saw, we went to the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall that faces the Holy of Holies in the temple. And all these, it was the, the high holiday. So all these people were facing the wall, and none of them are kneeling. Not one of them. They're, they're rocking back and forth, praying with their whole body. But none of them are kneeling. They're standing to pray. So whenever someone is kneeling to pray in the Bible, every time it's showing deep humility. Okay, showing deep devotion. So physical posture can do a lot to kind of reorient our minds and our hearts. I th- so that's one of the things that I kind of took away from our trip to Israel last week is uh, Jewish people, as they follow God, they do a lot of things physically to, like, orient themselves. So I brought a couple of pictures. So whenever Jesus would walk into the temple, whenever he would go to pray or go to worship, they would sing songs. So I have the pathway here, that first pic. Yeah. So there's, like, a pathway down low there. So from where Jesus and the people who grew up around him were to walk into Jerusalem to the temple, it was higher uh, elevation. If it's your first time, sometimes I make up words that don't, but, but it was higher in elevation, okay? So they would walk from where they were into toward the temple, but instead of just kind of walking and talking, they would sing songs of ascent. Maybe you heard that term. And so they would sing and they would get their minds and hearts ready to praise God and worship God and pray to God as they physically walked. Another thing, so we, we visited the temple where Jesus taught, you know, from. He flipped tables, all that kind of thing. And the actual steps leading into the temple, if you can notice, are different widths. And that's on purpose, so that you couldn't just walk mindlessly into the temple. You had, to, you had to think about what you were doing as you walked into the temple. You had to think about your walking into the temple of God. That way, you know, all the steps over here, they're the same width so you don't trip. They're like, trip if you can't, because we're going to make sure that you're ready to praise God. Okay, so as we think about that, so I wonder what are some practices that we can develop Physically, as we follow Jesus together, what are some practices that we can develop so that, we, like on a Sunday morning, as you prepare to come and worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, what can you do? Maybe as you get ready, there's a song that you sing. Maybe as you drive here in your car, you quiet your heart, or you pray with your family, or you sing. There's a couple of songs that I listen to every Sunday before I, as I come in here, okay? And so what is it? What does that look like as you prepare for worship to come here? Paul says he bows his knees. He changes his physical posture, okay? So in your prayer life, as you prepare for worship, the different things and the ways that you follow Jesus, what can you do physically to put yourself in a position to reorient your mind and your heart toward Christ, okay? Now let's consider what he prays. Of course, so we see that he bows his knees to pray. Now what did he pray? Verse 16, look. He says that according to the skills that you've acquired, according to your kung fu skills and the money you've made and the degrees that you've earned, you may have power. No? Okay. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with what? Power through his spirit. Now, I know I say this a lot, but the world's going to tell you exactly opposite that message. They're going to tell you exactly how, that you can have power in your inner being by making enough, by being enough, by building a following, if you do something big. But that's not where inner strength comes from. You'll never get there. And let me just acknowledge for some in the room, I'm your pastor, I love you. For some in the room, life hasn't exactly panned out like you hoped. You're not as comfortable as you thought you might be at this point. The business isn't exactly where you thought you'd be at this point. You thought maybe you had graduated by now. Whatever the case may be, you thought you'd be a different place in life. But let me just remind you this morning at church, 
Peace, power in your inner being only comes from God. Any mark that you think you're missing, just relax. It's all good. God's blessing you. He wants you. He's created a space in the dadgum YMCA for you to come in here and be reminded that he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He wants you, and he loves you, which we're going to talk about the rest of this morning. So, okay, so Paul is showing us what it looks like to pray in view of God's greatness. I, I say this a lot, but, you know, in Romans 12, 1, it starts with, in view of God's mercy, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So in view of God's mercy, you ever had a room with the view? That's your view in prayer. In view of God's mercy... As we approach God in prayer with that view, Paul prays for more of God. He prays for more understanding of God, that, that, would come into, that more of our understanding of God would come into the Ephesians' heart. So this week's prayer list, i got a prayer list for you that we're going to pray today and pray throughout the week, okay? The first one you're going to pray for is power. We're going to talk about, okay? You know, in prayer, I get probably more questions about prayer than anything. Will of God and prayer, kind of the top two that pastors get, okay? So we often treat prayer like a pinata. You know about pinatas. My, so the Uptons, they have this birthday tradition that they do with their kids. That every birthday party that they have, they get a pinata for their kids. It's so fun. Okay, so what happens with a pinata? You hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it. Candy, thank you, Hannah. The one person in here. <laughs> Crowns in heaven. You're getting them. Okay. So you hit it, hit it, hit it, and then all of a sudden, candy comes out. The kids, me and Elder Ed, we dive to the middle. Try to get the good candy, not get the starburst. That's always the last thing you left there. Okay, you try to get all the good candy. Well, prayer is not striking a pinata and asking God for treats. That's not what it is, okay? We don't just keep praying and praying and praying until we get what we want. That's not what prayer is, okay? Even Chance, my man Chance the Rapper said, when prayers go up, the blessings come down. Well, yeah, I mean, not exactly. It's not formulaic like that. Like, I pray, God, what am I going to get? Okay, that's not what we're doing. Prayer is not that at all. Paul, it begins and it ends in worship. Prayer is an avenue to know God and for God to know us. That's the real desire of our heart. Even we think we want the money, we think we want the promotion, we think we want all the bigger churches, all these kinds of things. What we really want is God. That was what we're really after. Paul's talking about God's grace and he couldn't help but fall to his knees and ask God for more of his spirit, more of his presence in the church for that for himself and for his people. So Paul's prayer is an overflow of thinking deeply about God's character. How much of that, how, how much of my prayer life is described that way? God, Paul's prayer here is an overflow of thinking deeply about God's character. Paul's prayer is passionate. Okay, his prayer is a sign of desperation. So what is he so passionate about and desperate for, right? He knows that the Ephesians need something that they cannot create in and of themselves, and that's power. By the way, to our seminary students, as you read the prayers of Paul throughout his writings, okay, we got a lot of seminary students in the room always, and so you need to love your people like Paul loves his people. We see in Acts 20, as he's leaving the Ephesian elders, the Ephesian pastors, he's crying, he's going to miss them so much, and he cries, so, so your theological, is, I love theological studies, I did it, love it, I think it's wonderful, go for it, okay, fill your mind with the things of God, but the end result of your theological studies should be love. Love your people like Paul loves the Ephesians, okay? Look at verse 17 again. Paul brings two requests to God in verses 16 and 17, power and love. So he prays for power, and again, not worldly power. He's not praying to win an election here or anything like that, but power to love, that we might be rooted in love, that the foundation of our lives 
The soil from which we grow is love. And one, of the, one word in verse 17 is just so interesting to me. Okay, he prays for Christ to dwell in your hearts. He's praying for a church who are in Christ, for Christ to dwell in their hearts. But I, I thought Jesus was already in my heart. Right? Uh, why is Paul praying for Jesus to dwell in my heart? So yes, the Spirit does already dwell in you as a believer. John 15, 17 says exactly that, as a matter of fact. This is where our English words fail us a little bit here. Because Paul is not really praying as much for dwelling as he is for Christ to rule our hearts. To rule our hearts altogether in the Greek, which is the language that most of the New Testament was written in. Paul uses a really strong word here for dwell. He could have used a word that means like to inhabit, right? But instead he uses a word that means to settle down. It carries the idea of a permanent resident, not a short-term resident. So think somebody just bought a house, not somebody who's moving into a dorm, okay? So D.A. Carson shows that this word, that when Jesus takes up residence in a believer, in my heart, in your heart, it's like a couple who buys a home that needs a lot of work, okay? Our first house was a foreclosure, okay? And it was awful. But you know what? After a couple of years in there, it was like, hey, this is kind of, we kind of did something here. You, room by room, you kind of go throughout and you make it new again. It can be new altogether. So when Jesus moves into our hearts, we're in pretty rough shape. Now, okay, and it takes a great deal of power to change us. I know y'all, heaven knows a lot of y'all took some elbow grease. That's why Paul prays for power, that the Son and the Spirit are transforming this house into a house that reflects the very character of God, and it takes a while. It does. That renovation takes, in fact, our whole lives. When the Spirit of God moves in, he gets to redecorating, right? So when someone buys a house and moves in, they're there permanently, right? So they begin to fix the roof. They rip up the old carpet. They make, they make lasting changes as opposed to when somebody comes to your house for a short visit. They come into a room, and they, they typically just leave their stuff in a bag, and they take out what they need. They try to make sure nothing is different. If it's a good house, guess at least. They try to make sure nothing is different from when they got there. But a long-term resident, when you buy a house, is completely different. So when the Spirit of God moves in, he gets to redecorating room by room. Thoroughly and lovingly, he makes us new. You ever thought, like, if the promise of Christianity is true that we're new, why don't I feel new? Okay. Maybe I will keep this one. Okay. So uh, this week, I won't tell you who this is from, but I got some texts from one of my guys here. And he texted me, pretty new believer. He said, Matt, bro, I feel like God is mad at me, bro. Ever felt like that? God's mad at me. And I said, did he say that? Come on, man. He said, I mean, no. And I said, so then who said it? You think God's mad at you? Who said that God's mad at you? Is that what God said? Okay. Who said it? He said, ha ha, myself. I mean, I haven't really done anything wrong. Okay, honestly, I feel like since I'm on my phone a lot, I'm on Instagram, it makes me overthink. Like, oh, I could be reading the Bible right now, but I do read the Bible every day. I just don't know. I wasn't going to out you. I wasn't going to out the assistant manager. So, you know, people who see my son Judah, I got a four-year-old. They see him every, you know, those of us who see him every day or every week, you don't really notice that he's getting bigger. But my parents who see him every few months, they're like, he's huge. That's the spiritual life too. So the person who sent me that text, I can't even... The person who sent me those texts, he wasn't even reading, he wasn't reading the Bible. He wasn't going to small group, all these things nine months ago. And now he's doing all those things. There's crazy growth in his life. Let's celebrate that. So there's three parts to your salvation, okay? 
God justifies you, then he begins to sanctify you, then he glorifies you. Those are big words that we got to understand. So he justifies you. In a moment, you're saved. There's nothing for you to prove. You're going to heaven. My granddad used to say, it's just as if I'd never sinned. It's done. You're saved. You're going to heaven. You're God's child. And then he begins to save you. He begins to sanctify you room by room in your heart. He changes you, and he changes you, and he changes you over the course of your entire life. So you look, you're like, man, I mean, I... I, wish I, I need to read the Bible more. I need to, I mean, look at Mike Goff. Look how spiritual he is. Well, he, he's, he's walked with the Lord for decades, a couple, two, maybe two decades longer than you. Okay. So he's ahead of you in the journey. And there's people he could look at and go, oh, man, I, I'm looking forward to knowing God like they know God. Okay. So room by room, God renovates your heart. So it takes time. Right. So don't let yourself feel all this guilt that God is not putting on you. That's in our own heads. Okay. I love the, there's a business quote that I think really applies to our spiritual lives, that we overestimate what we can accomplish in one year, and we underestimate what we can accomplish in 10 years. Man, get, get some long-term goals, and if you, read, if you read through the Bible once every two years, think of what that looks like in 10 years. You've read through the whole scriptures five times in 10 years, and what you know and understand about God that you don't know today. So, you know, we looked at Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 10, and he said, you're my masterpiece. You are my workmanship, but you're not finished yet. He's still writing the poem. He's still painting the canvas, okay? And so see, a personal relationship with God has always been his plan from the very beginning. And it's all throughout the scriptures. You know, a lot of people think that God is like this omniscient clockmaker. He just sits, sets the world into motion and just kind of goes, but that's not the God of the Bible. He's intimately involved in your lives. He cares about the daily happenings in your life. There's this important word that the Apostle John uses over 60 times. John wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. And over exactly 60 times he used the word abide for God's relationship in your heart. It means to stay, remain, abide. So because, you know, the words a lot of times we'll talk about, I want you to have a personal relationship with God. and And you like Google search that, you're like, that's not in the scriptures. Yes, it is. He wants to dwell in your heart. He wants to abide in your heart. It's all from the very beginning. So in the Garden of Eden, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool air each evening. He walked with them. He talked with them. Okay. Centuries later, he directed his people to construct a temple in the heart of the nation where where they were so that he could dwell with them. Quote, dwell with them. Jesus often and simply said, follow me. Not take this test. Let me see if you can get an A. But just let's be friends. Okay. And this is why prayer is not like a pinata. Okay, we're not twisting God's arm to make him do what we want. No, in prayer, we find the very heart of God. We ask God, what do you want? Make me more like you by your power. And understand, too, Paul's, the point here, his petition does not focus on our love for Jesus, but on Jesus' love for us. Okay, he changes us from the inside out. As we understand, as we grasp more of Jesus' love for us, we live a crucified life. We put it into practice. So let's add to the prayer list. So first we're going to pray for power, and then we're going to pray to be rooted in love, just like Paul prays here. And I don't want you to think I'm kind of being funny with the prayer list. I know that's kind of a simple list. But I want you to pray it every single day this week, you know, whether it's two minutes or 20, whatever it looks like for you. Maybe even get out these verses and pray exactly what Paul prayed Uh, For yourself and for the rest of us, don't just pray for yourself, pray for all of us in this. And so, you know, when we pray sometimes, when we get together and pray, you know, we pray for each other every week in small group. We're going to pray for each other today. We pray a lot, I think, a a good bit, at least at this church, for each other. And a lot of times, you know, we end up just like praying for our children's colds, you know, 
and for the meeting at work, for the science test that's coming up, all these kinds of things. And that's fine, okay? Like, pray little Johnny rocks the science test. I'm not preaching against that. Okay, that's great. But let's learn to not just pray for daily needs, okay? But also, like Paul is praying here, to pray for the big spiritual needs that we have that God is accomplishing in our lives. And it's, again, it's right and good to pray for daily needs. We're instructed to. You know, Jesus said to give us as they are daily bread. Pray for that. That's fantastic, okay? But the truth is, God cares a lot more about my kids becoming people of power and love than anything else. So that's the prayer that I'm praying for them. So, y'all, okay, the next few verses, oh, my gosh, I want you to memorize them, okay? Verses 18 to 21. In verse 18, Paul prays that we may have strength to even comprehend, maybe even begin to get our minds around the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of Christ's love. He loves you so much more than you think. The, his wide love illustrates his accepting love. Maybe you feel that you've outsend God's love for you. Maybe you think that your rap sheet's too long. There's no way that you could come to Christ or come back to Christ. No, his wide love shows you're welcome in his family and in his heart. His long love describes his lasting love. His, his love truly is unconditional. You can't be so bad that you lose it because it ain't about you. Okay, you cannot outsend his care, his love lasts, it's long. He endures all the stuff that we put him through, and he sticks with us. His high love describes and illustrates his exalting love. Y'all, he's brought us from the gutter to the, to the palace of the king. From hell all the way to heaven, his is a high and exalting love. His deep love shows his sacrificial love. He took the nails that I should have took. He took the punishment that I deserved. He stood in my place on the cross and atoned for my sin. His love is so deep. This, this love, verse 19, says this surpasses knowledge. Like I'm trying to describe it to you, but I can't, I'm not even scratching the surface. Okay, It's higher than Mount Everest and deeper than the Mariana Trench. Micah 7, 19 says that you're, you're, you, God, you will cast all, your, all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Did you know the Mariana Trench is a mile deeper than Mount Everest is tall? And God drops your sin into that trench. Can't be reached. It's gone. Psalm 103 says that he removes your sin as far as the east is from the west. Now, you know why he didn't say as far as the north is from the south? You go south long enough, you're going to be going north. But if you go east long enough, you're never going to go west. God does something with your sin that you can't even do, and that's forget. Not only does he forgive you, he forgets. All that stuff. It's amazing. I can't believe it. Wide, long, deep, high love. What a God. And finally, Paul winds up and he throws the big pitch here at the end, verses 20 and 21. Now to Jesus, who was able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ever ask or think, according to the power at work that's already at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. God is able to do more, far more, far more abundantly than we could even ask for, than we could even imagine or think up. Y'all ever play the genie game? I'm talking about, or like, if, if the genie came, you got three wishes, what would you? Billion dollars, ageless, and ten straight Super Bowls for the Cowboys. That's mine. Okay. I may go two billion. I don't know. All right. So, you know, we're like, that, that's, okay, you get three wishes of what I wish for, okay? But here in Ephesians 3, God's like, I'm able to do so much more abundantly than you can even ask for in that game. It's not even close. I'm able to give you what a billion dollars could never deliver, you know? 
what your soul is actually longing for, I'll give you power and purpose and unconditional love that exists nowhere else in the universe. So this week's prayer list. We'd pray for power. We'd be rooted in love. The foundation of our lives is love. We live it out all the time. And then we would pray for far more. Thank you.